Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. And this week is vacation week for me and my family. We're going to be heading up this week uh, from Raleigh to an island off Virginia that my wife's family has spent years visiting, Chincoteague Island. Uh, Maybe you remember growing up reading books about Misty the horse. Uh, I didn't, but maybe you did. (laughs) It's from this place. So we're going there, and we're looking forward to it. And I thought I'd just share with you all some things I've been thinking about. Every time we go on family vacation with my wife's family, she comes from a large family. She's one of five, and many of her siblings have several kids, and it's going to be madness. We've done vacations before where we all stay in the same home, like 20-something people. And uh, for those that enjoy chaos and the intensity of little ones, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. For others of us who see their anxiety spike up a little bit with the volume of the home ratcheting up and you find yourself tempted to hide in a bathroom just so you can have a sense of peace and play Candy Crush or something, um, maybe it'll be tough. That's not, that's not me, I'm, I'm not saying that. But so this week's family vacation, so I've been thinking about family. And uh, this morning I was considering more about what family is and what makes family a family. I mean, have you ever had someone who was not biologically family to you, but you found family in them? Maybe you had like an aunt or uncle so-and-so or someone that was like a grandparent to you or a father or a mother figure to you. Um, What about... The opposite, like, have you ever been to a family reunion and thought to yourself, like, who are these people? I've never seen that person, and yet they're my they're my cousin, supposedly. How does that work? You, you're related to me? So you're related, but you don't feel like you're family. Maybe you can relate. So when it comes to being the church, or we're supposed to be as a family. So what does it look like to be in that family, the family of, of God, or the family of Christ, you may say. There's a narrative found in the Gospel of Luke where we see that crowds have been drawn to Jesus and and one day in the mix of all that, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Christ's half-brothers by way of Joseph had been searching for Jesus, coming to find him to, um, well, as the Gospel of Mark puts it, to take charge of him for he was out of his mind. Here's Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 19, just a couple verses this morning. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. What is your first take of Christ's response here? Doesn't it seem like Jesus' response is a bit rude or some may say like dishonoring of his family? He didn't say that his mom and brothers aren't his family, but but Jesus takes advantage of an opportunity to tell the crowd of a spiritual reality. He says that a relationship with him, with God, is defined as something completely different than genetics. Jesus opened himself up to a wider family. The scripture is clear that for those in trusting relationship with Jesus, they're, they're given a new identity. This new ID is often described uh, in family terms. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, we read, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
See, there's this half-truth that's been being uh, been spread for a long time. And it's this sense, maybe you've heard people say this phrase like, well, we're all God's children. And I would say, well, that's true in a sense that God is the creator of all things and we come from that creation. But it's not true in that all people are in a father-child relationship with God. See, that requires adoption. And not everyone's been adopted. And, and Jesus tells us who's been adopted into God's family. In the book of John, it seems pretty clear, at least to me, um, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, when he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The right to become the children of God. A reason many Christians love adoption is because it reflects the eternal reality of God's family. Adoption puts on display, here and now, exactly what God has done for his children now and forevermore. So just as an adopted child finds a new name and blessing, we who are adopted by God now wear his name. We, we get access to all of his promises and all his provision. And something else also happens. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we read that for those who are adopted into God's family, we will be conformed into the likeness of God's Son, Jesus. That means these adopted people will take on His righteousness and His character. They, they will grow in resemblance of Christ. They'll, they'll start looking a bit like Jesus, who is, of course, God Himself. If I were able to show you a photo, a family photo right now of my wife and I and our kids, you'll see that our children look an awful lot like us. Some more like my wife Amanda, maybe some more like me. Of course, the youngest of our five children is ours via adoption from Russia. His name is Titus, born Kozhekin Vladimir Nikolaevich. A new name was given to him, Titus Alexander Tovi. Titus Alexander means like guardian and defender. Tovi, I think, means awesome. I'm, I'm not sure. But even in adoption, Titus takes on our name starts resembling our family and how we function and what we do, takes on some of our characteristic, and even takes on some of the tastes that some of us have. Uh, it's not far-fetched for a child to imitate parents. If the parents love sugar, then maybe the child does too. When you're adopted into God's family, the intention is to resemble the characteristics of Christ. So the fruit of God's Spirit in your life is His character. So in Luke 8, Jesus, in a sense, redefines family for his listeners. And from the new identity of his being in his family, of being in his family, Jesus says certain um, like activity follows. Let me read verse 21 again from Luke 8. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So when you and Jesus are in the same family, uh, you begin to hear God's word. And that's what Jesus does in relationship with his father. He listens to him. He goes to him. He has time with his father. And so God's family members want to hear from him. Once you listen, then you'll learn. And once you learn, then you can do. But you need to listen before you do. Uh, otherwise, we're going to you know, cause a lot of trouble in our lives. So Jesus says the same in verse 18 in Luke chapter 8. He says, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. We have to be careful how we hear and to whom we hear. And so for those that are part of the family of God, Jesus says those are the people that will hear the word of God and, and put things into practice. He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
So in a sense, Jesus is saying, like, um, you'll recognize my family by what they do and the heart from which it's done. Again, this is exactly what Jesus does. He says of himself in the Gospels that he only says and does what the Father tells him to do. So when you and Jesus are in the same family, he says that there's an activity that follows this new identity. It's a, it's a reasonable, sacrificial response to the Father's love. So this doing, this obeying, is not a way to earn God's love, but a natural outflow of the great love you've already received. And so when we don't put into practice what God's word invites and instructs us to do with each other in this family, we end up not um, like practicing our position, meaning we ain't really being family. Think about it this way in, in the families we see in our lives, and maybe you can experience this, you've experienced this in your own home or but like, what about when a son comes down the stairs to the kitchen around 6 p.m. and asks his mother in a tone that's like really put out, uh, mom, where's my dinner? First of all, it'd be amazing if that child would still be able to stand for a while, but that ain't being family, right? That's being a customer. <laughs> Walking into a restaurant and making the demand of I want to eat and I want to eat now. How about when ch children tell parents like what to do? And then the parents do their child's bidding regardless of what is best in the best interest of, of the child. That's not being family. That's like a manager-employee type relationship. How about when a husband beats down his wife or children with, like, with, with sarcasm or his own physical strength or abandons, whether overtly or covertly or withdraws to prove a point? That's not being family. That's being like a tyrant king with subject villagers. And people function like this all the time in the family of God, in their local assembly, as clients, critics, um, uh, customers, like controllers, like controlling people or competitors. Okay, um, that's enough of the alliteration, you get it. But healthy f family members ask, what is my role? What can I do to help? What is my part? If you've been adopted into God's family, that is your family for all time. It's an eternal spiritual reality, but but we are the healthiest. Are we the healthiest family we can be? The answer to that question depends on each family member hearing and putting into practice that which the Father reveals, chiefly to love Him and then to love others as we live in light of God's love of ourselves. The first and second commandments, really, the greatest laws. Some Bible scholars count that there are around a thousand commands in the New Testament for Christians today. If you consider like the repetitions of some of those commands, then we could maybe put the commands under about 800 headings. Much of what God desires, of course, is to do uh, for the betterment of his family or for the sake of the testimony to a needy, spiritually dead world. So all the one another commands or the building up of the church, family, or body, as we read in Ephesians chapter 4 or 1 Corinthians 12, that is for us today to live out with each other. So let's ask ourselves today, how's that going? Who, who can you build up or edify today? Well, after Christ and his earthly ministry, after he sacrificially gives of his life and dies and raises from the dead and then ascends to the Father's side, in time, Christ's half-brother, James, must have taken the words spoken about family and obedience by Jesus that day recorded in Luke to heart. After the resurrection of Christ, James believes into Jesus and then writes what we find in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, people could take that passage and put some false condemnation on themselves, some tearing down of self, like try harder, perform harder, but 
What about viewing it more as an imitation of blessing? What hinders our being a greater blessing to the family? What what needs to be asked? Um, when we look at our lives, are, are we building up and into our spiritual family? Is there a way for us, for each of us, to, to better create caring relationships that are guided by God's word and have some grounding and spiritual accountability? Is there anyone you can partner with uh, to encourage, to make a commitment to each other, say, I want to, I want to meet with you. I want to grow. I want to grow in grace. Can you partner with God's Spirit and ask Him, is there is there a way to better intentionally serve my faith family? Honestly, when we don't, the family is not going to feel like family, obviously. And the rest of the people are missing out on us in our lives, and we're missing out on them. And so it's true that at times family is awkward and hard and complicated. But when you choose to love and serve the family, you are carrying out God's desire for His church. A scripture of encouragement, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Positionally, to those who are the household of faith in Christ, we are family. So let's just practice that reality. Care for and serve one another, hear and do God's word, just as Jesus did with his father. That's what Jesus defines as his family. So ask the Father to show you today over the next couple days what the next steps are I'm sure he'd be glad to meet with you about it